Hi, Rebecca. It's Beatrice. Hi, Beatrice. It's Rebecca. How are you? I'm okay. How are you? I'm all right. Hot. Yeah. Humid. Even hotter this week. Yeah, true, true. And I've still got my cold, as you can probably hear, so that was... Oh, that's not good. No, no. But I'm on the mend. Good. Are you having green juice and ginger? Ginger I'm having. I'm not... I'm not, I'm not I haven't had green juice. Have some green juice too. Okay, I shall okay. do that. And have you been doing anything nice to counteract all of this? Yeah, I've been doing nice things. I've been taking it easy. Um, Good. And I wanted to tell you about this film I've seen, which I don't know whether you've seen. It's called Smithereens. No. Um, it's odd. I'm I'm surprised. I haven't. I haven't seen it before. It's the first film by Susan Seidelman, who then made Desperately Seeking Susan. Oh, how interesting. Yeah. So it's it's from 1982, um, and it's um, with with an artist called Susan Berman, who they who hadn't done that much before. Uh, but also Richard Hell is in it. Do you know, do you oh. know him? Is he from the New York Dolls? No, no. he was. A, he's from another band called the Boydoids, I think. I might oh. pronounce it pronounce it wrong. Anyway, so it's about this girl, young girl. I think she's meant to be nineteen, um, but she it, in real life she's a bit older. But anyway, she this is about this young girl who comes from New Jersey to New York and is trying to make it there. And it has a really, really. It, I really like the clothes in it. It's sort of um. post punky, new wavy, and it's got a really great start. Uh, you see, you see someone standing. So the half of the screen is is filled with this hip section of someone, and it's a blue yeah. skirt and a silver bag, and she's dangling one of the glasses that was pop, uh, sunglasses, and they were popular popular in the eighties. I remember they're quite sixties looking. Um, sort of oval and this particular one is sort of black and white check oh wow so she's just dangling these glasses and then you see someone coming up behind her and you just you just see the hip section in a dog tooth mini skirt and net um tights and grabbing the glasses and running off Oh um, my goodness. Yeah, so it's a really fashion crime. Yeah, it's a really really good start. And That's so good. And it's about the person who's stealing the glasses which she then wears quite a bit um at least at the beginning. And she she's just trying to make it in New York and she's trying to find somewhere to live so she lives with various people at some point she um hooks up with Richard Hell who does play a musician. Um, and she's she's not very nice to people, but people are also not that nice to her. And it's quite interesting when you read reviews from the period that they all um, they're quite harsh on her. Whereas I think oh, really? you know she's just trying to. I just think she's just trying to make it. Yeah. Um, but the clothes are really interesting. So she wears she wears mini skirts or mini dresses most of the time. And quite bright red lipstick and these net stockings a lot of the time. And at the beginning, she wears some silver shoes and some, I think, green socks with the net stockings. Oh, fantastic. And later on, she wears, um, I don't think they're converse, but they're sort of plimsolls but high tops in bright red. Um, They're on the poster as well of her. And yeah, she wears quite a lot of uh, things that aren't 
at some point she walks around in a waistcoat quite a long time and it's slightly ripped uh which i quite like so it's yes. not not perfectly new everything and i don't know whether there's something about the film stock they use because all the colors really pop so her red oh, lipstick I have to say, it sounds it sounds amazing yeah her red lipstick really pops out and the red shoes when she wears them really pops out and at the beginning she wears a um a turquoise and i think turquoise i remember was a big color in this sort of yes in the i 80s. think so so she wears this turquoise vest with a with a badge a little badge and a, and a green belt and the, the green of the belt really pops as well so oh, and what's her hair like her hair is interesting it's at first i thought she looked a bit she looked a bit like molly ringwald to me um, oh yeah she's got curly hair and i i think i wonder where i was wondering whether it was a perm and it's slightly red um and i thought whether she was sort of modeled after molly ringwald but i think molly ringwald is actually later than than susan berman mm, possibly yeah so it, it may be a perm it might not be a perm um and what is quite interesting when you see her working walking around the streets some of the people still look quite hippie-ish oh how funny whereas she looks really different um richard tell of course looks quite different as well he's he looks yeah. quite he looks quite punk what um, does he wear he wears uh, most of the time i think various t-shirts and um a slim collar jacket on on top and then yeah sort of slim jeans um that kind of thing and then she she hangs out with someone who has a like a vw bus or something like that i'm not um, any i don't know the oh, brand right. of it but it's a sort of bus where you can sleep as well yeah um and she hangs out with that guy and he looks a bit more sort of hippie-ish hippie-ish sort of jeans and jeans and t-shirt um but it's 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 really it's really interesting the in terms of the clothes and then yes like we talked about last last week new york in itself yes you yeah see, you see quite a, a lot of it and it and it looks well. It doesn't really look. Bits of it look quite a bit run down, and it's just really interesting. And they go to a place called the Peppermint Lounge, which apparently was quite a big place for music. Ah. And so, yeah, there are quite a lot of interesting in interesting venues. But I I particularly liked her clothes. At some point, she also wears. There's quite a lot of t-shirt, you know, jersey, a mini yes. dress, or things with black and white geometric patterns and stuff like that so um oh i really like the sound of it yeah no it's it's really good and the music is is really good it's by a, a group that i didn't know called the the feelies i think um, it's quite punk um and it's it's nice but the the thing at the beginning is just so great with that silver that sounds amazing yeah with just that silver bag and this these glasses um dangling and then this other figure coming and just run running off um so yeah no it's definitely worth having a having a look at um, it's it reminds me as you're talking about it, it reminds me of like maripol you know who styled madonna oh, I don't, oh okay i didn't and she did look her up and she did really great um like there's great polaroids of her but also like you know people of that era in new york and Again, I love those Polaroids. I love the colour in them, and it was really reminding me of her work and how influential she was, although she's kind of a behind-the-scenes person, I think, quite often, although she was really important, I think. 
and I because I really like early Madonna I oh. like that look yeah I you know lo- where she's got like because it because like you said it's sort of still got the residues of punk of it not being perfect and I like the sort of weird layering of things that you get so and definitely it was from Maripol of like wearing really girly you know, kind of frilly rara skirts, but then with like black studded belts and things. So it's it's sort of mixed messages in a way that I think is really enticing and fun. Yeah, I just I I I love the desperately seeking Susan and I think. Oh my god! <laughs> I remember going to see that when I was at school with my best friend, and um, and being thrilled because I was the first girl at school who had the black rubber bracelets. Oh, wow. And I was very proud of myself for that. So I've always been shallow. <laughs> and I've always felt triumphant about accessories. I, I really like the... Um, because I always had to thing about my knees. I never liked my knees. Oh, I'm uh, sure they're lovely. Well, well, let's talk about that some other time. Yes, we'll um, discuss that separately. But I like that she wore... They're like leggings, but they're not really yes. long. They're just too underneath the knee, and I thought that yeah. was so great. But I don't think I've ever had them. I don't know whether they were difficult to get at that point. I or... had them. I had them, and, and they're like those, and then like a mini skirt over the top. Yeah. Mm. And I think it's really still like the attitude of like punk girls, because I think I think punk girls should get all the credit in punk. Well, not all of it. Boys can have a bit of credit too, but. I really love how punk girls were just like, I'm wearing this and what are you going to do about it? Nothing, because I'm in charge. And that they wore things that were really confrontational. And I feel like by the sort of Madonna, Maripol, Smithereens era, it's got a bit more romantic in places and a bit more girly. But it's still still no nonsense, no messing about. And in the Smithereens... um film you also very much get the the girly is totally right and you get the influence from other um decades so you know like the glasses are quite 60s and the green belt that's popping that she wears it's it's a it's like a wide leather belt that's slightly squashed into a um, what do you think? Um, what does the thing called that a belt has at the front? I can't think buckle. of it. A buckle. Um, mm-hmm. It's slightly sort of squashed into the buckle, and I think that's quite a fifties yes. thing. Um, and I remember in the eighties, I wore, I, I bought actually, I bought here in England, I bought some fifties um, stiletto, sort of low stiletto oh, kitten wow. heel shoes. Um, and so I, I think that's. That's really interesting. I guess maybe that's where the girliness comes in from the from the other decades. I don't know. That's true. There's a real nostalgia within it. And it's really like a pop culture nostalgia, isn't it? Yes, that's true. And because mm. and, there's this amazing magazine. I can't remember how I first came across it, but the um, it's called East Village Eye. And um, the, the editor, Leonard, is really great. And he's like given me scans of loads of back copies of it and it's amazing it's like a, yeah it's based in the east village and it's like arts fashion culture music um and the fashion pages i just love because they're mainly sort of vintage things oh, yeah. but they're so like 70s 80s in the way that they're styled so they really are confusing in terms of the time period 
because it's the sort of aesthetic that dominates if you see what I mean it's like a a really strong 80s aesthetic but it isn't actually 80s it's drawn from other eras mixed together so like they'll wear um you know like 30s you know those really short shorts that were worn for dance rehearsals oh yeah they were mm-hmm. like them but then with the wide 50s belt and then a little 40s blouse short sleeve blouse mm. or something and it's it's really again it's that kind of post-punk where punk is kind of softening a bit um in terms of of clothes that i think is really fascinating and it's really interesting seeing it in this magazine because it's obviously like how to get it if you don't have much money and it's like improvising what you then see on in high fashion of these different period references that you get so much in the 80s mm. or sort of later in the 80s because when is desperately seeking susan it's that's later isn't it i'm yeah. sure it was later when i saw that so that like 84 or something smithereens is 82 so right. desperately seeking Susan must be must be a bit later than that. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Yeah. I Cause just... that's really amazing. Because that again, I I I love. I mean, I must rewatch. You're making me want to rewatch. I know that me too. I want to rewatch well. it. Because mm. the clothes are really great in that, and there's that jacket that's like the symbol of what the idea of Susan's life is as well, isn't there? I can't remember that. What, what what do you remember? Well, it's like it's this sort of metallic-y, greeny, goldy jacket that's got like a sort of pyramid-y pattern on the back, isn't oh, okay. it? Okay. Like I don't know. Brown... I can't really remember that much about it. Um, oh, we have to watch it. Yeah. Um. But yeah, and also I love how kind of mad hair is in that period, like like sort of spiky hair that's sort of messy. Well, that was, yeah, that was one thing I actually did manage to achieve um, with a lot of hairspray. And I always had big um, scarves and things in it. Yes. um, Like Bananarama a bit as well. Oh my God, I love Bananarama. So, yeah, yeah. And that's, that's very much in Desperately Seeking Susan. They have the, they have the scarves. um. But you still see women with that hair, don't you sometimes? Like you, not with the scarves so much, but you do sometimes see women with that kind of standy uppy hair. That it's like that was their youth look. That's true. That's true. Yeah, it was quite for me. It was quite difficult to achieve because I don't have any waves. It took quite a long time. Um, oh no, I I had terrible trouble if I ever wanted to make my hair do anything other than be very straight and flat. Yeah. And it, he, that's just what it does, yeah. and it's not it's not happy about trying to do anything else. I'm also wondering about um, jewellery in, in this oh, context. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, yes. I'm just sort of looking at some pictures. I think in the Smithereens film, that doesn't actually play a, play a big part. She has badges when she wears the waistcoat and she wears a pink necktie, like a man's tie. Oh my goodness, that's such an early 80s thing to do. Yeah, over, over so she just has a t-shirt and that tie and the waistcoat, men's waistcoat and the tie is almost Fantastic. like a not like a necklace, but I I think at the beginning she has a she she has a, actually a lipstick on a chain around her neck. Well, that's just useful, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Uh, but I think otherwise she's she's not one for earrings very much. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, but maybe it's just that I don't know why why 
Yeah, that seems unusual because the eighties was quite big for hoops and oh yeah, big, big earrings. Yeah, big earrings. But that's true because you get a lot of well, like the black rubber and then the fluorescent and neon rubber bracelets that were really important and having like a whole pile of them. Yes. Mm. It was kind of trashy, but you had to have excess of it. It was kind of yes, I know it's rubber, but I don't care. And also, it's. I remember I just had sometimes just strips of fabric around my wrist, and it's, it sort of looks yes. trashy, but it takes quite a lot of, um, you know, it takes quite a lot of time. You had to have to get all yes. these things together, and, um, you know, you have to wear wear them so they work together in a nonchalant way somehow. That's true. That it's really a lot of it is about styling, which again comes back to Maripol, doesn't it? Because it's. You can look like a complete disaster in this kind of stuff. You have to know how to put it together and when to stop mm. Mm. with what you're adding because it's so many different elements that potentially it can really go wrong. Yeah, yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and I've so... been thinking about jewellery too. Can yes. I just segue and ask, yeah, tell you about that? Se- segway. But I definitely want to watch Smithereens. Yeah. I would need a double bill of yeah. that and Desperate Seeking Suvers. But, yeah, thinking about jewellery, because that's what I've been doing this week. Because I'm writing an article on um, Art Smith for Hearts magazine. But I won't tell you about him specifically, because he's still sort of in my head, crystallising into an article. Okay. But, but I... I've been reading all these books and sort of looking at stuff on um, studio jewellery, like modern, modernist jewellery, which is from about, sort of, you know, like 30s to 70s, really, sort of with its peak in the 40s, 50s. And it's one of the things that I really am interested in is um, the idea that using sort of base metals and semi-precious stones was seen as better because it's seeing value in things that don't have intrinsic value. And there's this quote, I was reading this essay, um, uh, this not essay, an article from Vogue in 2007 when they had an, um, a big show at Brooklyn Museum on this story. Mm-hmm. And they, they, they speak to this art historian called Blanche Brown, who was a, a customer of, of, of modernist jewellery and she says, you know, diamonds were for philistines <laughs> and this sort of idea that wearing these kind of, you know, like a lot of the, the place, a lot of the jewellers worked in Greenwich Village so it was like small, um, you know, like entrepreneurs really, like people making things in their little studio at the back of the shop and so if you wore it, it was like a badge of your, you know, being intellectual and above the idea of just glitter, glitter as jewelry and, and what, I think that's that, really interesting yeah I think that's really interesting and what 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 I guess they don't all look the same but is there are there any um features that 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 jewelry has sort well, of in general I no I don't, it's not so much the style it's more the tenants so it's more that they use modernist tenants of like truth of the materials and um so, like, a lot of them use silver or copper or brass. And they're often, you know, there are some which are really quite cubist, so they sort of layer shapes together. And they're usually quite bold. They're quite, like, statement pieces. Um, and you get 
really sort of interesting forms like art smith is really into biomorphism but like surrealism so ones that looks it's it's metal but it looks slightly melty it's not like a perfect geometric form oh Um, that sounds really interesting yeah it is really interesting it's like it's something that i've never really explored in depth before but it's kind of been on the peripheries because of looking at mid-century fashion for so long and obviously being interested in the furniture, the architecture and everything else. I don't know how I've kind of missed out jewellery, but I've kept like reading references to things and people for years. And like, I thought, finally, I'm now going to focus myself on this. But it, I think it's just really fascinating, the idea of what is valuable, because, you know, there's actually no intrinsic value in gold. Yes. It's that culturally we give it value and mm. the same, I mean, I know, I know you know this, but, you know, and like precious stones are precious because they're hard to get and they're rare and we say they're precious and historically they're precious. So it's, I think it's really interesting the other things that we can be said about or thought about particular pieces of jewellery that make them valuable. Mm. Yeah, I'm just trying to get around in my head how... You know, I just, I, I mean, I, I, I've seen a, I don't actually have seen that much high jewel, high-end jewellery, or yeah. what, what do you call it, high jewellery, like I guess. Jewelry. Yeah, fine jewellery, that's the word. And, but, I mean, they're often so absolutely amazing, but I, mm. but I, they don't attract me in a way. I, I don't know how to explain it. I, yeah. I love looking at them, but they're almost yes. like they're in such a different universe. Yes. Um, and I was just sort of wondering, I guess, if you wear that kind of stuff, it shows you've got money and taste, I guess. And like you said, if you wear that, wear something that hasn't got an intrinsic value, it just shows your cultural capital, I guess. Or, yeah, exactly. Um, mm, yeah. Well, also, I, I think, I mean, I love, as you know, I love going to see my friend at Bonham's mm, yes. and, and trying on the jewels. Um, but it's also the sense that I don't live in a realm in which I can... True. Yeah. parade around the yeah. streets yeah. wearing this kind of stuff or just show up at my local cafe decked out I mean that would be fun I'd enjoy it but I would have a certain level of panic as well as to what would happen to me um, but I think it's interesting also like alongside looking at Smith, I was also looking at the Vanity Fair this month, the August Vanity Fair which has a jewellery supplement Mm-hmm. And which has a very good thing by my friend Rachel Garahan on Cartier and Cartier in Britain that you must read because it's really interesting. But what was also striking me in terms of like value is there's so many ads for, um, you know, big luxury brand and fashion house jewelry. So there's like Gucci jewelry, Dior jewelry. I mean, obviously, like Dior is salon you associate with jewelry, but even that, it's kind of different because. You know, like the 70s, the Lulu de la Falaise mm. things that she was making for Yves Saint Laurent are so amazing and interesting. But again, they're not, they don't tend to be fine jewellery. It's its the kind of mastery of colour and texture and form that makes them so interesting rather than that they're fine jewellery. Yeah. So but what... it's kind of... Sorry, go on. So what is it that makes something fine jewellery? So it's partly the... I think the, it's using precious metals and precious stones. And I guess also the, these particular te- techniques. Yes. Um, this, the set, the settings and... Yeah. 
I guess that must be part of it as well. Yes, I don't mm. know this is a strict definition. Mm. And that's an interesting thing I could tell you as well, that when I've been reading about modernist jewellery, apparently um, after the Second World War, with you know there's like the GI Bill to yeah. help returning soldiers, and one of the things they do is they, they get some of them um, in, there's like all these different sort of training courses and, you know, entering education so that they get an education and they get mm. like a career. But one of the things they're keen on is them doing jewellery and silversmithing courses because it helps like hand-eye coordination and like strengthens your hands and things. So it's a good therapy thing as well, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, super interesting. I like the idea of coming back from war and becoming a jeweller. Yeah. But that's, I that's oh, I, yeah, you don't want to talk about it Artemis, at this point. No, so I won't he ask didn't you do that. No, it's he didn't that, do that period. He wasn't involved uh, in that. It's just a little fact that I discovered when reading about him. Uh, but, but yeah, it is funny with fine jewellery because, and, and also, I don't know, it's, it's like the way that sort of particular jewellery houses have particular styles. Yeah. And just, yeah, just the way that fashion takes from that but fine jewelry the very nature of fine jewelry is it's meant to be longer lasting i mean partly because it's so incredibly expensive but also it's meant to be like above fashion but it's also not because yeah, it relates to it it really is not in a way if you sort of look at auction no. catalogues you can sort of see that some things are not they're sort of timeless but you can see what time they're yes. from i guess oh, you very definitely mm. can and you can really see how there's certain themes like nature and flowers that mm. go right the way through jewelry history, but they're interpreted really differently at different points. Mm. Um, oh, and Lulu de la Falaise, I just read a book about her and Yves Saint Laurent, which was rather gossipy, but I did, like, I can't remember his name, but this collector who adored her jewelry, and she, I must send you a picture because it's incredible. We would love this kind of thing. She's had special cabinets made for all her jewels. The, the Yves Saint Laurent jewels, and they are the colours of Reeve Gauche, you know, that kind of pinky <laughs> and orange and white black, and they're, they're just like my dream organisation space, really, because you sort of open the door and there's, then there's all the colour coloured shells that she pulls out with her Lulu de la Falaise Yves Saint Laurent jewellery on it. Oh, amazing. Yeah, of course, that's what you need when you have a... I know. Yeah, you can't just put them somewhere in a drawer in any old I mean, old in bar. a way... No, you really mustn't. And in a way, I, I almost, like, I, as you know, well, both of us love organising things and putting them neatly. I almost feel like it's like going back to playing with your doll's house when you're little, that it's just putting everything in neat little places and then being really pleased looking at the neatness that you've created. And, yeah, and jewellery totally lends itself to that. Um, it really does. Yeah. So we would add another layer of, of value to jewellery, which is its ability to be organised in a pleasing way. Yeah, yeah. And you could probably organise it in different ways. So one week you could go more with a colour, one, more, one oh week more goodness. with a shape. Yeah, there's lots of possibilities there. Uh, yeah. I wish I was practical, because I would be designing and making my own jewellery cabinet now. Oh, I'm. I'm sure you. To do I, I'm. I'm. I'm totally confident you're practical enough to to do that. Oh, um. you've never seen me with a hammer. <laughs> <laughs> you've never seen the destruction I can wreak. <laughs> <laughs>
No, but design it. You could, you could make I a drawing. I could design it. I could tell someone what I wanted. See, that's good But then enough. I shouldn't be allowed to be involved in the making or, you know, no. But I, I do like that. I do think this, that, that you know, organ, you know, ability to be organized pleasingly should be another, like, um, Bourdieu category, like yeah. cultural capital, mm. organizational capital. Yeah, that's very good. I love that. Yeah, because that would mean all kinds of things like pens, which we also love, can become highly covetable. Makeup? Make, oh my God. <laughs> yes, basically everything we love has yeah. organizational capital, that's, except dogs. That's interesting. Yeah, maybe that's what, maybe that is really quite a big reason why we love it. Maybe it is. Maybe mm. I've cracked our, yeah. you know, I've, I've defined our personalities now. Yeah. Mm. We have huge organizational capital. Yeah. Well. I, I feel like maybe we should end that. Yeah, we should I, end I don't know there. if I can come up with anything, any bigger. And find something to thought. organize. I um, really do want to go and organize something. It's really making me want to. Yeah, let's do that then. All right. Good okay. to talk to you. Yeah, speak soon. Bye. Bye.